It's Hayward pulling it down, getting around Zubat at midcourt, launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in. Almost went in, and Duke is the king of the dance. It's time for the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast with your favorite Canadian, Kenneth Cotterman. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast, part of the Blue Collar Media Group. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and I'm joined here today by two what I would call regulars now on the show, Uh, that being first the co-founder of the Blue Collar Media Group, and I think still the the host of the Slightly Biased Podcast. I don't really know if they even upload any more. That's Steve Reisner. (laughs) And it doesn't pain you that I'm a regular on your show? A little bit. It makes me question friendships, but, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it'll do for now. Uh, and then we also have the host of the Into the Lab podcast. That's Ernest Silva. Ernest loves to take digs at me lately on ITL. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Would not take away any digs, but uh, taking my off weeks and coming onto the show. So excited to be here. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. Well, today's going to be a pretty quick one for us because I, as you guys will hear later on in the episode, I pre-recorded a segment with a buddy of mine, Riley Pollock, where we talk some fantasy football. But seeing as this is a basketball podcast, I figured we should talk about some basketball, maybe go a little bit in depth with these playoff series. Uh, I'm going to actually start things off in the Eastern Conference. But before I do... Today's NBA segment is sponsored by Thrive Fantasy. Sign up using the code BCMG to receive a $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So let's start off by talking about the Boston Celtics. It's a team that I'm not too fond of. Not sure if Ernest's really that fond of them, but I've heard that Steve is a little bit of a homer when it comes to this team. Uh, Steve, how does it feel sweeping your rival 76ers? Oh, well, you know, what's the best part of it is that in the long rivalry of the Sixers and Celtics, this is the first ever playoff sweep, and it feels good. Yeah. This is only the second time ever that the Sixers were swept in a a playoff series, the first in 1999. So, Steve, what, what went right for your Boston Celtics? Was it just Jason Tatum being a superstar like he is now? Um, well, yeah, of course that went right. Um, and that kid played some fantastic basketball, but I mean, so Marcus smart, fantastic defense, the entire series, uh, very smart player. He is, um, you know, Jalen Brown played good. Kemba Walker looks, looked fantastic the last couple of games. I, I know you bet the under on him today, Tanya. That, <laughs> that probably didn't go too well for you, huh? I was a little sad watching Kemba have like 19 at the half, but I got over it pretty quickly knowing that Philly had lost. Um, Ernest, <laughs> what were your thoughts on this series overall? Did you expect a sweep at all in this one? Uh, I think I predicted 4-1. 
on your uh, podcast. Yeah, that's not too. You were wrong. So I was wrong. I thought Embiid would have one of those big games where he just takes over and uh, maybe even gets his own fifty piece and and then leads a leads a win. But um, no, Embiid did play over his head, so nothing away from him. It just Philly wasn't as good as Boston was, and so Team USA advances to the second round. Yeah, exactly. USA. USA. <laughs> so, I mean, looking at the future of the 76ers, obviously they're not going to be very impressed seeing that they were just swept. So, I mean, what's the direction of this team? You've got Tobias Harris currently under contract until 2023-24, and that year he's going to be making over $40 million, as well as having Al Horford under contract until 2022-23, and he'll be making $26.5 million at that point. I mean, Ernest, is there even a trade market to move these guys? Do you think it's a coaching change that's needed, GM change? What do you think Philly needs to do? Well, I think there's a trade market for Tobias. He, he'd be a good stretch three on a, on a team. You know, somebody maybe like the Knicks who could use some name value. And, has and who would overpay team. him? Who would yeah. overpay him, yeah. So team, teams that, that may not be up there in, in stature, then I just need a name to put some butts in the seats and, and you know, just – Tanking, you you get Tobias to go. Um, Al Horford's a tough one. That's that's a tougher contract to move because I don't think anybody's going to bite on that. Even teams like the Rockets, the Raptors, who may have needed a stretch four at one point, they're not going to bend over and take Al Horford's contract in him. So, and not that they have the flexibility anymore, anyways. So, that's a, that's a tough one. They may be stuck with that. I do think they end up moving from one of their stars. I think Simmons or Embiid is gone um, in the next year, maybe two years. Um, if they're going to last that long. But I think – I called it before the season. I think Simmons is in L.A. next year. Um, I still I still sit with that. I think Embiid's the future for Philly. Um, I think they I think they would, would like to grow a team around him. And I do think they actually play the best when Embiid's only on the floor, not with Simmons. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, with this team. Obviously, we know Brett Brown has, is not a great coach. I think we can all, all agree <laughs> on that. I don't think that he's going to be under contract much longer. Uh, with this team, Steve, if you were if you were in Philly's front office, what would you be thinking right now? Um, I'd be thinking, how soon can I fire Brett Brown? <laughs> um, that's that's my. I'm just what. I'd be surprised if he makes it past the end of the day tomorrow. Brett Brown, you got you got to move on from the coach and see if that's the issue. Yeah, I think I don't think it's time yet to blow up the Simmons and Bead thing until you see it with another coach and another system. Um, but if it doesn't work in the next year or two, then yeah, they're going to have to move on from one of these guys. I think they would likely keep Joel out of the two players. So, so it'll be interesting to see for Philly moving forward what they end up doing there. But then we've got a couple series out east where. They've not been close. Uh, one of them we expected not to be, but the other one I think is a bit of a surprise. That being the Toronto Raptors being up 3-0 against Brooklyn, probably 4-0 by the end of today. And then Miami's up 3-0 against the Pacers. Which teams impressed you more so far, Ernest? Um, probably Miami. I mean, it's hard in a 4-5 matchup to put your foot on the throat and, and try to sweep a series. Um, and so they've done it fashionably. I, I think Miami is going to give a huge threat to the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I can't wait for that series. Um, you know, if the Bucks were to get out of their first round series, and uh, and yeah, I think Miami is just the team, the team right now that's hottest 
in the East that everybody keeps talking about. Uh, you know, the Raptors get their fair share of, of compliments, especially Nick Nurse and what he's done with that defensive unit. Um, and then, of course, Team USA, Boston Celtics, um, they get a lot of, they get a lot of uh, attention as well. But Miami really is, is kind of the talk for, for how well they've been playing. So, yeah. Uh, Steve, who's impressed you more out of these two? Uh, Miami, I'd have to say. Uh, just great basketball. Uh, like we touched on uh, earlier talking to Kenny, it's, it's not just Jimmy Butler and Bam Abadayo over there. They're a bunch of young talent over there. That's Yeah, they're 9-10 deep. They're 9-10 yeah. deep. That's, that, that's a deep team. I think the advantage that Miami would have against the Bucks is that the Bucks bench is nothing special. Like there's no one on that Bucks bench where you really look at it and like you're you're overly concerned about it. But I mean, when you're looking at Miami, you can go Bam, Duncan, Robinson, Butler, Crowder, Drogic, Hero, Olenek, Iguodala. Like there's just a lot of pieces there, and so I don't even think that Miami's really lost a lot when they've had some of their guys go to the bench, and I think that's why they've been so dominant because because of that. And I mean, Bam and Butler, they've been phenomenal in that series. Uh, We were touching on it earlier. They had four players score over 20 points yesterday in that game three wins. So uh, Miami's been impressive. Toronto, I mean, it's tough to say that they've been too impressive because they're playing like Brooklyn's six through 10 as their starting lineup. So uh, Toronto, they're going to be a good team. Them and Boston are going to be a great series. I see that one going six or seven games. I probably slight edge to Boston, even though I'm Canadian, so I'll probably get strung up for saying it. But uh, that's where I'd be leaning with that series. And then we're going to move over to talk about those Milwaukee Bucks, which Ernest, for whatever reason, thinks that they might struggle to get out of this uh, first-round series. <laughs> um, that might be a little bit of his Giannis hatred coming through. But uh, do you see Milwaukee dropping any more games? I, I personally don't. Steve, I'll go to you first. Uh, no, I don't see Milwaukee dropping any games. I'm surprised they even dropped one game. Ernest... Are you giving Orlando any chance? I said it'd be a 4-1 series, so I'm going to stick to it because then I'd be contradicting myself. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis and the Bucks give up another one because, honestly, uh, they're not that good. You don't so, like Giannis? So, so you oh, think... I'm fine with Giannis. Giannis is a great player. <laughs> so you think that Milwaukee I mean, I don't like overrated. Milwaukee's very overrated. I will say this, outside of Giannis, Milwaukee's very overrated. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're Oh, and they're, I can't stand Brook Lopez. We, we judge we judge really good teams in the West and the other teams in the East for how many playmakers and how well they play defense. The Bucks don't have either of that in the bubble. Yeah, so. like I don't know, like watching watching that game, I think it was game 2. Chris Middleton with a stat line of two points, one of eight shooting. And everyone's been talking about how he's a 50-40-90 guy this year and, oh, how great he's been. And I just – I don't see it. I don't see Milwaukee going up against, like, a Miami even and outside of Giannis getting a ton of production. So, while I believe that Milwaukee's still good, outside of Giannis, they're overrated. I think they're a top eight team in the bubble. 
Yeah. I think, well, I, think I think they're a top eight team. I'm not saying that they're terrible. I'm just saying they're not they're not the favorites to, for the championship in my book. They're not the fa- they shouldn't be. M- and Milwaukee's a, Milwaukee's advantage to me in the East. Um, like you were saying about Chris Middleton, you were saying Chris Middleton Kenny's. While he's overrated, when he plays the Boston Celtics, who is their top competition in the East, he shoots like Ray Allen. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. That's that's I mean, that's, that's the problem there. <laughs> the, the, the big question is going to be whether they're going to get past Miami, and I don't know. I, I, I hope I, not. I think That'd be great because I we would can have fucking to see kill Miami. I'd have to see something these last two games to show me that they can get production elsewhere. Because all series, it's just been like Giannis with like thirty-five, fifteen, and like six, and then they win comfortably, and. You know, you need to see, like, a Middleton 30-point game to really make you feel like there's going to be production elsewhere. So that'll be an interesting one to see. I I think midweek I'll probably get us back together just to preview these series because there's going to be a few good ones coming up. But I now I only like to talk to you on Sundays. <laughs> Completely fair. <sighs> Uh, so now we're going to move over to the West and, and the place I want to start is actually not with Ernest or my team. It's going to be with the Dallas Mavericks and LA Clippers, because I think a lot of us had this being like a six game series, but I don't think we saw Luca playing the way that, that he has been. I mean, in today's game four, he had 43, 17 and 13 in a win in overtime, despite no Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Ernest, what has been your thoughts on this series so far? I really appreciate you starting with me uh, on this one, Kenny, because um, everybody has claimed the Los Angeles Clippers are the team to beat in the West. And all year I've been telling everybody that is just fool's gold. They'll be lucky to even get out of the first round. And here it is proving proving (laughs) true again that even without their second-best player, and you know what? I won't even use today. Let's just take the whole series. The Los Angeles Clippers have won two quarters in four games. Think about that. They've yeah. won two quarters in four games. That just tells you the Mavericks are playing better basketball than the Clippers are. And the lack of production and consistency minutes-wise for their rotations all year is coming back to haunt them because the little mistakes that are made in crucial parts of this game of these games are what's hurting the Clippers. They had a 21-point lead today, and they lost. Yeah. Like that, tell, that shows you there's a, there's a fundamental problem and that the team is just not as deep as people thought. If the Mavericks take a 3-2 lead, I'm not saying they win the series, but it's going to be very difficult to close out against what would be presumed a healthy Porzingis coming back that's gotten rest again, and then a Luka Doncic who, even despite his ankle injury, is still playing at a peak performance MVP level, if you would even say that. So... Well, um, yeah, it's no longer Houston. Do you have a problem? It's Los Angeles. Do you have a problem for that series? Yeah, I, I don't think anyone really saw this coming. And one thing that people I think forget about is in that game one, Dallas was winning that game and they were controlling it before Kristaps had that bogus ejection. Absolutely. And so, this could be a three, one Dallas th- lead. Th- this could very easily three, one Dallas. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't put any of this on Kawhi as far as this series goes, because Kawhi's played well. But when you look at the rest of the team, like Montrezl Harrell with two points today, 
Paul George with nine points today. Those are supposed to be guys that are giving you like 18 to 25 a game, and they're not producing. So, Steve, I mean, if you're the Clippers, what what do you think they need to do to, to squeak this one out? Try to slow down Luka? I guess I... Which I don't know how I don't know. Yeah. I, I, you can try to figure out your offense. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Uh, Cause Paul George doesn't seem like he wants to play this series. I, one thing that definitely needs to be considered on the Clippers end is Paul George changing his nickname from playoff P yeah, yeah. after the series. That's we we can change that nickname. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think, I still think the Clippers will manage to squeak this one out just because of the championship experience of Kawhi Leonard. But the Clippers are no longer my favorite out of the West. I will say that. I mean, to to give you some perspective, so Kawhi in his four games, he's been 32, 9, and 4, 36, 9, and 8, 35-12, or 10-2, and Compare that to Paul George, who game one, he showed up 27-2-3. But since then, 14-10-2, Like that, that can't be your, your superstar, alleged second superstar. So I think the Clippers have not defended well all series. They need to figure out a way to slow down Luka, however the hell you're going to do that, because... He just seems to be like, can we agree now that Luca's a superstar after the way that he's performed in the playoffs? Or do you think we need to give it more time? Uh, no, I think he's a superstar and Jason Tatum's a superstar. And if you're saying either of them needs more time, then you're not watching. That's fair. Ernest, would you agree that he's a superstar now? Are we talking about Luca? Yeah. Oh yeah. Luca was a superstar before the season started. I was only concerned because a lot of guys put up those great regular season numbers and then you just kind of want to see what they do in the playoffs. I mean, he completely dispelled that in game one, dropping 42. And then today that triple double was incredibly impressive and then hitting the game winner. I mean, that's. It is a, it is a bubble playoff though. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Even Harden's, even Harden's averages haven't gone down. So, I mean, that's, that tells you a lot. He's gone to the free throw line more in the bubble playoffs than he has in any other playoffs. That's fair. So, I mean, I mean it's still a playoff game little... in my head, but I get what you mean, especially I when do, you get on the road. I do want to say one thing, though. Uh, you know what? I'll just save it for the end. I'll just save it. Oh, God. I can't wait for that. Oh, God. So now, <laughs> now we'll switch over to talk about the Houston Rockets. Oh, that should be the last series. And, we all know that should be the last and, series, but go ahead. And we know we know that Ernest doesn't really have an opinion on this, so we could probably just mute him, and then Steve and I can talk about it, and then we can move on. No. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Houston's up 2-1, to one, despite no Russell Westbrook the entire series. I They went to overtime yesterday before Harden picked up his sixth foul. Ernest, is there any concerns right now for the Rockets in this series, or do you think that they could win without Westbrook? No, there's, there's no concern. I mean, if it was a real concern, Westbrook would be saying he's coming back game four. He's ready to play now, but he's going to continue to rest on it. And Steven Adams actually may not play game four, so that's huge. 
So if that ends up happening, um, I, I don't give OKC even a 1% chance of winning that game. But let's not yes. fool ourselves. The Rockets won all four quarters of that game. They blew it at the end with 58 seconds when they were up by five points and gave up a costly turnover. The referees didn't call a foul on OKC, which gave them the go-ahead three-pointer. And then it was all, Harden picked up his sixth foul with 11 seconds into overtime. This should be a 3-0 series, but it's 2-1. The Rockets controlled most of that game. And lots of Vegas and Las Vegas would even agree with that. Everybody was betting on the Rockets. So I'm, I'm not really worried about it. I think the real worry is James Harden's shooting stroke. He was looking unstoppable and, and, and the most efficient NBA player um, in the bubble the first eight games. And then from the three-point line, it's like, who is this guy? Although inside the three-point line, he's still the most efficient player. He's shooting 67%, which is amazing. Outside the three-point line, he's shooting, I think, two for nine, one for eight the last two games. That just doesn't do it when you have to play against L.A. teams. Um, so where did that guy go and what's happening? Is it the lack of space because he has Lou Dort on him? And I'm sure we're going to talk about Lou Dort, so I'm, I'm waiting for that conversation. But is it because Lou Dort's on him? If so, then maybe those 20 pounds he dropped in the offseason is coming back to haunt him against a very physical defender. So. I'm really not that worried about Lou Dort, so I'm not going to be going down that road. Harden, oh God, sorry, Davis. 11, 11 for 37 from three in the series. So yeah, it's bad. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, game one, six of 13 looked good, but the last couple, two of 11, three of 13. I, I expect him to pick it up. Like, I mean, when he is Schroeder on him, like he's breaking it's, his ankles and just making dominance. him silly. Um, right. When it's Dort, I think the problem, though, is I, I don't like Dort being out there personally for OKC because he's such a liability offensively. Like the Rockets were just leaving him open yesterday. That's exactly he, right. He was, he was, it, it's, it's like watching Roberson a few years ago. Like, yeah, and he airballed a three wide open. Like that's how yeah. bad it is. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not pretty. It's like watching Giannis shoot a free throw. <laughs> You had to throw a Giannis dig in there, eh? Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Was that not allowed? My bad. My bad. <laughs> I didn't expect that from you at all. Not not once. Um, Steve, what's been your thoughts on the series? Um, well, you know, Harden's uh, three-point shot has been a little concerning. Um, but it's James Harden, and I'm not going to – I think he's going to figure that out because it's James Harden. Uh, Lou Dort, amazing defense. But, again uh, – I can't put it all on that. Why take away from this series? Um, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this while Ernest is on a show with us. You, are you saying Houston's the favorite out West? Houston is my favorite out West now. Okay. And you're not the first person to admit that on a podcast I've been on this week. So this is the third person, people. Trust me, because the West they are, is coming they're, here. They're just, I, like, oh, okay, I know it's OKC. But OKC's not a bad team. No. And, uh, I mean, like, the other, the way they were playing the other day when they destroyed my prop bet against Steven Adams in the second half. <laughs> I, I mean, they, they just did a fantastic job of, uh, of getting that ball out of his hands and knocking the rebounds away from this guy that absolutely dominates them because they don't have anyone to guard him. I. I think they're playing good team basketball. They're doing this without Westbrook, and they're only going to get better when he gets back. I, I, I was going to shred Chris Paul a little bit for being pretty average in the series, but thank you to him for missing that uh, layup to end the game. 
because by sending it to overtime, it helped me get the over on my prop bet. So thank you, Chris Paul, for the $70. I'll be sure to send you none of it because you don't need it. But I <laughs> I mean, 60 points in three games. He's averaging 20 in the series. I expected him to elevate his game out of all the OKC players, and I just haven't seen it. He hasn't really been that aggressive. Um, so OKC, like – Shea Gill, just after that first game, he's been great. Schroeder's been great. Um, but they just seem outmatched. Like, if OKC had that superstar player, because I don't think Chris Paul's that player anymore, then I would be scared of OKC. But with no real alpha on this team, Houston's probably going to win in five, maybe six, if OKC finds a way to squeak another one out. But Houston, I'm not picking them as the favorites in the West, although they have impressed me so far in this series. Are you picking the Lakers? Yes. I'd like, I'd, like to, I'd like to point out also that, you know, with Russ being gone, James has had to lead his team. You know, basically Paul George isn't playing, so you can see how Kawhi Leonard's struggling against the Dallas Mavericks of all teams. And then you have LeBron James. If LeBron James didn't have Anthony Davis, I don't think the Lakers beat Portland. So you, I, the way I see it is if you look at your one-two punch – and the effect it has on the court. Houston has the most dynamic one-two punch right now on the court. So That's I'll continue. actually pretty much my feelings. Uh, I'll continue. On yeah, I'll continue to say it. There's only one team in the West that can beat Houston, and they're, they're at home right now watching because they were hurt all season, and that's the Golden State Warriors. No. Until, somebody, until somebody can beat Houston in the playoffs, which nobody else has done because the other team that beat them is also sitting at home watching, which is the San Antonio Spurs. Until any of these teams can prove it, Houston Houston is a favorite. I can't wait for that Lakers-Rockets series. That's going to be a good one. Um, I can't wait for the Rockets-Celtics series later on. Wait, we, we haven't even talked about who's coming out of the 1-8 matchup yet. So, coming out of the 1-8 matchup is going to be the L.A. Lakers. And <laughs> there's really no debating it. Because um, I can edit out whatever phony argument you want to throw um, So... The Lakers are up 2-1. Obviously, I was not concerned after game one. A lot of Lakers fans were. You still have to beat LeBron James in a seven-game series. We all know this. The only person, the only teams that have really done it over the last number of years was Golden State as well. So, uh, you know, I, I like LeBron. I like AD. I don't like the rest of the roster, but, uh, those two might be enough to, uh, to carry us pretty far. So I expect the Lakers to win this one in six games still. That was my prediction at the start. So, uh, Ernest, do you actually see Portland knocking off the Lakers? Oh, no. No, I never <laughs> okay, did. I actually, I actually have never said that. I never have I supported that argument. I did say that it would be 4-2, so I'm, I'm actually agreeing with you. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 2-2. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Portland comes in and, uh, and wins game four. But then uh, I take the guy who's 13 and 0 in the first round. Yeah. I'm gonna take LeBron. So exactly. uh, I'm, I'm gonna take LeBron um, in the first round, and I'm gonna take LeBron uh, in the second round to lose in six. <laughs> you just had to throw in the next round too, hey? I didn't. I didn't know if we were supposed to. I was just trying to make sure Steve, I didn't miss anything. I can't, I can't wait uh, to edit out that line, but uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I. I think the Lakers will win this series. I would love to watch the Lakers lose the series. I would love to watch LeBron James lose the series. They are not losing to Portland. That's not a um, – Dame's great. He doesn't have enough with him to beat the Lakers. No. 
Um, and then I guess to cap things off, it's actually been probably the most boring series for me to watch outside of that game one. And that was Denver prime time tonight. Prime time. So, tonight. so it'll be interesting to see, obviously we're recording before it starts. Um, but do you guys see Denver taking game four? No, no. You think Utah wins and goes up three, one. Yeah. I think Utah wins in six. Okay. Steve, where would you be leaning? I'm going to take Utah to win it. Okay, then we'll differ on that one because I do see the Nuggets winning tonight. I think that this is a seven-game series now. I think that both teams, no one really wows me on either side. Like Donovan Mitchell had that great game one, but they still lost. Um, I don't see the Nuggets shooting 38% again tonight and scoring 87 points, so... (laughs) I, I'll take the Nuggets there, but in the overall series, I'll take Utah in seven. So, do you guys? Oh, so do, you, you do take Utah to come out though. Overall, yes. Tonight, okay, so you no. don't you don't differ in series winner. You're just differing how many games. I, I differ tonight for sure. Because oh, oh, tonight, tonight. Yeah. Who do you see winning tonight? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. That's that's my mistake. Okay. Okay. Are you still going Damn to Utah tonight? Oh, yeah, I still go Utah tonight. Yeah, Yeah. I just – I think no matter who comes out of this series, I think if they get the Clippers or Mavs, I don't see them beating either of those teams. So I think that's why I haven't really watched this series because I'm not worried about either team. But I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on either of these teams. I think that the Jazz are fully healthy. They'll give a run in the second round. I don't see either of these two teams making the Western Conference Finals, but we've seen crazier things happen. If the Mavericks were to somehow dethrone the Clippers from this imaginary pedestal that everybody has put them on and, and goes on to the second round, I could see the Jazz pulling the upset. The Jazz deserve it. They've been outed by the, the Rockets the last three seasons, so I'm okay with them <laughs> getting, getting to the Western Conference Finals and losing to us there. They deserve to get that far. But... Um, I think Donovan Mitchell's on another level. I think he upped his game just like uh, players like Damian Lillard and uh, Devin Booker did. You know, they took advantage of the shooter-friendly mentality there in the bubble, and um, he's looked fantastic. The addition of Mike Conley showed that Utah has another gear, which is what I'm scared that Denver, just like OKC, doesn't have another gear. And that's Mm -hmm. what what everybody's always been worried about with Denver is can they find another gear come playoff time? Jamal Murray looks great, but the rest of the team looks the same and below average. So we'll have, I'd, I'd have to see Jokic in his newly skinny form actually perform at a top peak level because I haven't seen it yet. I think, I think Jokic the first couple games was solid, like 29 and 10 and 28 and 11. But, I mean, when you go 15 points in game three, like he, I think it just shows that he has to go 20-plus for them to have a chance in these games because Jamal – Jamal can be great, but he can also right. be very ice cold at times. And so with no real alpha there, it, that's it's just a weird team for me. Well, I've Snyder never really makes been it, high on Denver. Snyder's made good adjustments. I, I'd love to see Carl make some adjustments and see what, what Snyder does against that. It's a big chess match, and if you're only playing checkers, that's the worry with Denver. I just haven't seen them turn that gear on for now uh, the second straight season. So That's fair for sure. Well, that'll cap things off for today's NBA segment on the Shooter Shoot Basketball podcast. Uh, I want to thank Steve and Ernest once again for coming on the show. It's really appreciated you guys giving me your time.
Today's episode was sponsored by Aquamarine Diving, Bali's premier aquamarine experience. Aquamarine's focus is to provide both high-quality service and the best possible diving for their guests. Be sure to let them know that Blue Collar Media Group sent you. Welcome back to the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast, part of the Blue Collar Media Group. I'm excited for today's segment. I'd like to welcome friend of the show, Riley Pollock. He's one of the co-hosts of the Squib Kick Radio Podcast alongside Harry and Eli. Riley, how are you doing today? Doing good. It's, uh, it's get, we're getting close to football. I think it's just over three or just under three weeks away, so uh, getting pretty excited here. Yeah, getting excited for some fantasy football to start back up, eh? Hey? Oh, absolutely. I've mocked so many times. It's unbelievable. And then I know my team's not going to end up the, uh, the way that I wanted anyway. So, But it's nice we, to practice. I think I've done like at least 50 mocks for a, a ton of different leagues. And yeah, your team just never ends up looking like yeah. that when you ultimately go and do it. Um, so I took part in your Squib Kick Radio League last year. Uh, 16-man league. I won as the eight seed. You looking forward to this year for your own league? Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to announce it uh, next week on the show. So, uh, yeah, I think within within the next 10 days, we'll have our 16 that are going to compete again. And, of course, you get the automatic buy because you're the defending champ. So, 16-team 16, 16 league is a little crazy, but it's fun. Yeah, it's definitely far different. I'd never done anything more than 12. So, I mean, 16 was uh, – it was fun, and I'm looking forward to it as well. But – I we're going to switch over now talking about some fantasy football running backs. I know over the last number of weeks, I've been talking about all the different fantasy positions. I figured running back was the perfect one to cap it all off being that it is ultimately the most important, I think in fantasy. I, so talk me through your draft style. Are you, are you very running back heavy or do you just grab your, grab your premier back and then kind of grab some later on? Um, I think this year more than ever, I'm going to be running back heavy. I think first two, maybe even three rounds, I'm going to try to go running back just because with COVID right now, I mean, if one of your top running backs goes down, you might be screwed. I think it's important to get a lot of running back depth. I think that after the first five or six wide receivers, there's a bit of a drop off on that elite tier. And I think that there's a lot of receivers that you can get in the three, four, five that can be uh, very vital to your fantasy championship teams so if you can get a good running back in the first two or three rounds I think yeah you'll be pretty well off so now more than ever it's running back heavy for me yeah I mean from all the mocks that I've been doing the fact that you're seeing guys like Golden Tate you're getting him in like late rounds like the fact that you can get him the running backs really fall off over the over the first I'd say three rounds uh, especially they start to fall off so I'm I'm a big running back in the first round type guy and then I I I usually wait a round or two but I think it's going to be way different this year I think you have to grab two backs as you said due to COVID it's just it's so important to uh to have those running backs but uh we're going to get right into it by talking about some of those running backs I Derrick Henry led the league in rushing last year do you see him doing it again this year I'm not sure that he's going to lead the league, but if he stays healthy, he's a top five back in my opinion, no matter what. Um, it took him a few seasons to kind of get going. There was some bus talk about Henry for a couple of years there, but he's really come into his own. And I think that Tennessee offense is going to be tailored to him again this year. So definite top five barring injury. Not sure that he's going to lead the league in rushing again, but we'll have to see. 
Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry, for me, I drafted him the one year too early and then I uh, swore him <laughs> off. So <laughs> I definitely have had to change my tune on Derrick Henry after those years. If not Henry, who do you see being the number one back in rushing this year? I think Saquon Barkley could be number one if uh, his, uh, his high ankle problems are all behind him. I think that Giants offense is going to be so run heavy. Let's hope that they've improved their O-line enough to get Saquon uh, a few more yards. But barring injury, I think Saquon is the best running back in the league. That's fair for sure. I mean, Saquon, (laughs) I drafted him last year in many leagues, and then uh, obviously he had some injury troubles. But when he's on the field, there's no doubt that he's, he's just so special out there. And uh, as much as I want to see the Giants win as, or lose as many games as possible, being that I'm a Cowboys fan, I'd love to see Saquon uh, running, running all over some teams. So, so we'll get right into it. Who are some of the running backs that you really like this year? I am super high on Joe Mixon. I think with Burrow coming in, uh, A.J. Green able to take a little bit of pressure off the running game, I think Joe Mixon is going to have a breakout year. I could see him being top three running back. Um, yeah, I just – Joe Mixon, if you're in that 7-8 spot in the draft, I think is a huge pickup in the first round. Yeah, Joe Mixon, he's a guy over the last number of years a lot of people have been high on. I think he's going to have a good year as well. I, I think that Cincinnati offense with Burrow now is going to be – they're going to be pretty good. And they won't – I mean, we know that Burrow's not going to be throwing like 40 touchdowns or anything crazy. So I think if Mixon is going to have a year, it'll be this one. I what are your thoughts on a guy like Lev Bell this year he's a guy that's going to be you know he struggled a bit last year obviously Darnold had the mono issue so he was out for a number of games but what are your thoughts on him I love Lev Bell and he is going late third early fourth so that could be a good pickup as well I'm worried about their offense I'm worried about Gase because it doesn't seem like he likes Bell very much but if he gets his touches I mean I don't see I can see him being a high-end flex or maybe a low-end RB2 Um, but getting him in the fourth round I I don't think that's a problem at all if you can get him there that's that's a huge pickup yeah Lev's someone that I'm pretty high on this year like sleepers got him at number 27 overall obviously that's going to change by the time draft day comes but I think if you're getting Lev Bell in the third or fourth round like if he's your second running back I wouldn't be upset you obviously don't want to wait and hope that he's your RB1 but uh, I think his value is pretty high. What about rookies-wise? Are you high on any rookies this year? I think Edward Zolaire going around 10-11 uh, right now in most mocks is crazy. I think he's going to be a top five back this year. He Just with that offense, I just don't see how he can't be just unbelievable. So if I had a top five pick or was fifth, I honestly would very much consider taking him at that 5-6 spot. Um Jonathan Taylor, too, in Indy, I think, could have a very big year. Um, Swift, I believe, with Detroit could uh, really take over that role. So it's there's a few good rookie options, but I think uh, Edwards Alaire definitely leads the pack. Yeah, I think when you look at that Chiefs offense, like it's especially once we learned about Damian Williams and the fact that he wasn't going to go, I mean, I feel like you can go all in on that. I think there was a bit of worry before that, just that maybe they'll take some touches away from each other, but that's not going to be the case. I'm also high on Jonathan Taylor. Like I know that Marlon Mack's there, but Jonathan Taylor, I think, is going to shoulder the load for them this year. And I think, I think that Colts offense is going to be pretty solid. So 
Uh, I would agree on that one. J.K. Dobbins is another one. Like, as much as I don't want to draft a Ravens running back just because their running back is their QB, it uh, it kind of <laughs> concerns me a bit when it comes to that team. But uh, who are some of the later round guys that you're eyeing up right now? Uh, there's, there's a couple of them. Uh, I'm not totally off the board on Ronald Jones yet. I mean, they have said in Tampa that he's going to be there early down back. Obviously, the problem with him is that he can't block very well, and Tom Brady needs a good blocking running back. But if you can get him in that late fifth, early sixth as a flex option or just someone you know who can fill in on the bye weeks, I don't hate that pickup. Um, Matt Breida, it's tough in Miami. You don't know which way they're going to go, but I feel like it's going to be pretty run and gun there. So I think Breida will get a few more touches than Howard. Uh, Howard's more of that powered up the middle kind of back but he will probably get a lot of the red zone touches but for an early down back I don't hate Brita um other than that I'm not too sure I mean Tevin Coleman you never really know with him in San Fran he could go off he could be the red zone back there and he's a good flex option as well and you can pick him up pretty late so those are a few of them that you know if you've kind of missed the boat on a flex option and you want a third running back I think those guys would be that uh, that later option. Yeah, like one of the guys that I've kind of been keeping an eye on was Damian Harris in New England. I've been hearing a lot of things about how he's getting a lot of touches in New England. The problem with New England, obviously, is that they're going to be using so many running backs that it's tough to know who the guy's going to be. But Harris didn't do much as rookie year. He's heading into his second year now. I know they brought in Lamar Miller, but he's a guy that I'd love to take a shot on later because obviously with the Sony Michelle news that you know, he may not even play this year. We're not even 100% sure about that. I think uh, I think Damian Harris is a guy to keep an eye on. But I love that your Breda and Coleman ones as well. Those were two guys that I was going to name. I think now San Fran, obviously, they've had a couple running backs move on. So I think Coleman is prime for a big year. Who are some of the running backs that a lot of people are high on that you're just not this year, that you don't see panning out? Um, I'm not quite sold on Kenyon Drake yet. Um, I know it's going to be, it's going to be fun with him in Arizona and I think he's going to put up some points, but right now he's listed as RB nine on a lot of, uh, mocks and stuff. And I just, I'm not taking Kenyon Drake in the first round. Um, it's, uh, it's just not something I'm going to do. Miles Sanders is another one. It's just until Philly proves that they're going to run just a single running back because they never have. I'm not too high on Sanders. He's another top, well, 10 to 15 back probably. And I'm just not sure that I would go there with him. Um, Austin Eckler. It'll be interesting to see how he does with Tyrod. Um, he's a good back, but again, a little high for my liking. Um, so those three would probably be the big ones. Um, Delvin cook ahead of Zeke on a lot of mocks. I'm not sure about that one. He's got some injury history. But yeah, those those ones would be the ones where I'm just I'm a little hesitant on picking them where they're going right now. Yeah, I I was gonna say Kenyon Drake as well. Like seeing him as a late first, early second, like I just wouldn't be confident drafting that guy. I know that he finished the year strong, but I see that Cards offense being very pass heavy, especially now that they've got Hopkins, they've got Kirk, they've got Fitz. Like there's a lot of weapons there. So yeah. I'm kind of concerned, like, especially when you can get like a Josh Jacobs around there as well. Like I'd way rather be drafting that guy knowing that he's going to be getting touches. One guy I'm not as high on is Aaron Jones as well. I just 
don't see like he's not going to put up the same production that he did last year especially touchdowns wise like he might be similar rushing yards but I can't see him having the TD total that he had they added Dylan there as well and I don't know I'm just not that sold on the Packers so that's one for me and then I'm going to go Mark Ingram as well. I'm just not that high on him in that Ravens offense. It worries me that they drafted a running back as high as they did. Um, so I have a bit of concerns just drafting him there. What are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, uh, I agree with Jones. I think just with Devontae Adams probably getting a lot more touches as long as he doesn't get hurt again. Um, we have to remember that Green Bay has been a pass-heavy offense basically the entire time. Aaron Rodgers has been there until they kind of ran out of receivers last year. And then they, that's when they went to Jones. So I'd agree. I mean, his touchdown rate was disgusting last year, just really hard to get, keep that going again. Um, And as for Ingram, yeah, I just, it seems like it's going to be a committee now at running back and with Lamar Jackson there, it's just, it's tough. It's because he is a running back. Like you said, he had over a thousand yards rushing last year and could get more this year. So his numbers are going to go down drastically for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dobbins starts taking over as uh, the primary rusher at some point during the season. Yeah, I just I think that they're going to go on the younger side, like with Dobbins. Yeah, you don't draft a guy that high unless you're going to use him pretty, pretty heavily. So I would have to agree with you there. But uh, that pretty much wraps things up for our running back segment. Riley, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I look forward to being in your league once again. And uh, go and go ahead and plug your podcast and whatever else you want to as well. Yeah, check us out at uh, Squib Kick Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's all football all the time. Usually we do CFL and NFL with a little bit of college mixed in, but no CFL this year. So it's been uh, pretty light on that front. But uh, yeah, we just, we just announced our survivor pool today that's up so pick a winner every week winner gets a jersey at the end and it's the same thing with our fantasy football that will be dropping next week so uh thanks very much for having me on and uh, i look forward to the fantasy season sounds good man thanks i appreciate you coming on the show today it's hayward pulling it down getting around zubat at midcourt launches the shot oh and almost went in almost went in and duke is the king of the dance It's time for the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast with your favorite Canadian, Kenneth Cotterman.